One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, with me, your host, Caroline Foran, author of both Owning It, or Own It in the States, and The Confidence Kit. This week, I'm joined by James Kavanagh, who is quite a hard man to introduce, probably doesn't need an introduction, as you all will know him anyway, but we had a chat about how we hate being asked what we do, or how to describe ourselves, so I'm going to describe him as one half Kerbini, co-author, award-winning author, TV presenter social media star and I guess you could just go on there's just no end to his list of professional accomplishments but James obviously joins me on owning it this week to talk about anxiety and confidence and his experience of bullying as a kid in a all-boys school and the anxiety that went along with that bullying and what he's learned from what it taught him and then obviously we talk about anxiety in his day-to-day life now. Uh, in more recent years, anxiety is something that has presented itself for James and we kind of explore why that might be the case because he says himself he's happier now than he's ever been and everything on paper is great. So why did he start to have these panic attacks in the middle of the night last year? So I hope you get a lot from this. I want to apologise. My sound just came out a little bit funny. The levels kind of changed a lot and oh my god, I just need to get a bloody producer. This is just headache but if you're focused on the content hopefully you won't notice that it gets a little bit quiet in some places and I'm sure I could do nothing about it well I could but I don't know how to and I'm trying and my head is gonna explode anyway don't give myself anxiety trying to make this podcast it's all about the content so thank you so much for subscribing as always appreciate the feedback appreciate the reviews I appreciate the, ch- the shares so much thank you ever so much for all the lovely comments it has made everything so worthwhile and I'm so delighted that everyone is getting something from this looking at your Instagram and your Snapchat and everything, people probably think, whoa, here's someone who doesn't have anxiety issues or here's someone who doesn't have confidence issues. And a lot of people who I've spoken to, they've come through it or it's something that they had like years ago or from my experience was 2014. But what you before we went on air, you were saying that even as recently as last year, you were experiencing panic attacks. So people probably don't know that about you, that anxiety is something in your life. Yeah, totally. And I always think anxiety and depression and those kind of feelings... They're not, um, they're not racist. They're not classist. They yeah. go for anyone. 
um, it, 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 you can get someone at the very top who feels down, even though they may seem like they have everything. And then, uh, uh, you know, you, just as much as someone on the very bottom of like whatever ladder you yeah. want to put anyone on. So, yeah, like last year, about two years ago, I started to get um, panic attacks and I don't know why I was getting getting them, but I was. And the, it would happen at the same time every single night. I think it was at like half three or half four. Mm. I'd wake up, look at my phone and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. And like that, it was like this fizzy feeling running up through my body um, and then this kind of um, sick feeling in my mm. stomach and then really short of breath. And I was like, <gasps> like cu- couldn't take enough oxygen in that, I, you know, that I felt like I needed to live. Mm. Um, and each time I thought I was going to die, I'd, I'd have this really thumping heart palpitation. Um, and then... I'd, I'd, you know, it was maybe the 10th time it was happening. and I, I Every night for 10 nights? like um, it, No, it would happen like maybe two a week okay. or, or yeah. that kind of thing. And by the, the, you know, say the 10th when I was like, I knew it would end. Yeah. So I'd almost ride it out. I, it would be like I was on a wave and I was like, okay, James, just ride this out. Yeah, let it um, happen. Let it happen and let it pass and don't fight it as well. Yeah. And, you know, by... panic attack number 10 I was like it's not going to kill me Mm, you know I learned at that stage and now do you have any clarity on why that was happening well I'm kind of doing what I'm I'm self-employed now by three years um uh, and when I when I first left my job in in my full-time job in PR and what jumped into this kind of self-employment mm-hmm. working with brands doing influencery things um I guess I didn't know if there was a um if it was sustainable mm-hmm. and if it was always going to last so I think last year I had a bit of doubt in my mind of uh, uh, when's the next job coming yeah uh, is this truly what I want to do? So I think it was maybe a mixture of things like that, that I was always Mm. panicked about when the next job was happening or uh, is this actually what I want to do? So Mm. I think it was coming from that kind of thing. Were you frightened of the fact that it was happening to you? Did you feel, for me, like such a big thing was not so much the isolated panic attack, but like, Jesus, like this is, this, I'm capable of feeling this way, makes me feel like not in control. Did, was the fear of the fear thing for you? 100%. Like, like I got really badly bullied in school. Mm. Um, but I never, I never felt like down about it. I was angry about it. Um, and I find anger is more manageable in a weird way. Yeah. You feel more in control of anger yeah. for some weird it's more reason. more empowering, maybe. Yeah, it is. And like, I used to get bullied in school really badly and go home and take it out on my parents. And I was the dominant one in the house. They were afraid of me. Wow. That kind of thing. Whereas when you're feeling down and sad and panicked, it, you, you feel lost. Yeah. You don't feel as in control as you are when you're angry or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, I definitely was... A I was afraid of feeling that way and I hated feeling that way because yeah there is a loss of control about it and you're more vulnerable yeah completely so if we go back then to James as what what age were you maybe when the bullying started I was probably aged 11 to 15 so before that was were you a confident child was anxiety something you'd experienced never no I went to primary school as everyone did went to primary (laughs) school and had the best time in my life Um, it was a mixed school I was always getting the lead in the in the school play loved life the, I'm not a very academic person so primary school level education suited me very well <laughs> um, creative yeah creative um, 
and this could be another conversation, but I really don't believe in segregation of the sexes for schools. I don't think it. I don't think it's. It's not real life. No, I went to mixed schools all the whole way up. Oh, it's, it's, it's so much better. And you know what? You can almost spot people who went to mixed schools mm-hmm. over people who went because they don't know how to act around the other yeah. the opposite sex or whatever. Um. So yeah, I went to primary school, loving life, skipping around the place, and there was never a fo- my the bullying really happened because I was gay yeah. and because it was homophobia in the set in the first secondary school I went into. But so when you're in, in primary school, there's not a real focus on sexuality. No. If you're a little bit flamboyant, that's just James. He's a bit eccentric or that's just whoever. That's just the way they are. There's nothing. Mm. Oh, he must. He's gay because of that or whatever. So there's nothing like that. And then I went to uh, skipped out of primary school, love life with my gal pals, my guy pals. It was real life. Then went into the first school, which was all boys, very heavily rugby focused you know, so I, I'm not that way at all. And I'm not pu- I'm not putting anyone down who's macho or rugby, you know, into rugby at all. It just wasn't me. And if you weren't that way, you were an outsider and you were bullied. Um, and had you come out at that stage? No. And had you yourself were like, I'm gay? Yeah, I okay. knew myself. But because when I went into this school and how it was, it was very, the word gay was always used in a negative way. It like was that's gay. That's, that's gay. Shit. Yeah. That shit. Yeah. Uh, we got loads of homework. That's so gay. Like, yeah. you know, my lunch today was so gay. <laughs> so when you're oh. that age, though, it's it sounds funny now, but when you're that age, that you're just associating that word with negative, negative, yeah. negative. Yeah. negative. And the, I don't know what it is, but that age group, say like six, 16 year old straight guys are kind of obsessed with gay people. And yeah. <laughs> Is he gay? Like, it was an obsession for some of the people in my class. And because it was always used as negative, I didn't want to associate it with that. So I I became more insular, more inside myself and more like I didn't want to come out or whatever. Then, um, as I was saying, I was kind of taking all this out my parents Mm. um, and they were dealing with a bit of a terror, to be honest. And did they know you were gay? They knew I was gay, but yeah. you hadn't had a conversation? I hadn't had a conversation, no. My, my, when I eventually came out, my mum was like, yeah, we knew. Okay. <laughs> you did, you're, you know, but you're they waited until honest. you They waited until I came out, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know, like maybe there's some parents listening. I would have actually preferred if they reached out to me mm. and asked me. Um, their reason is because, no, we wanted you to feel comfortable. And I get that as well. But sometimes if someone is going through, it's kind of like if someone's going through a dark period in their life, people often kind of skirt around them or eggshell around them. But sometimes a reaching out is good too. Yes. Even if they don't necessarily want, want it or it. are like well receiving of it in the yeah. first place. Uh, and I would say if they had done that to me at the time, I would have freaked out. But it would have been way better, I think. Long term. Long term, yeah. Um, and then I, I think to deal with me, they sent me to boarding school. So oh, I went like to boarding worst. school. Well, I loved it. Oh my God. Absolutely loved it. And if I have kids, I'm sending them to boarding school because I went down really badly bullied in this uh, all boys school. You know, very, there was an air of toxic masculinity about the place. Hated it. Um, so they were like, right, off to boarding school. So I went to a mixed school. Went there. Now, boarding skills tend to be melting pots of different cultures. Yes. So my skill, for example, there was Asian people, there was Middle Eastern people, there was people from England, there was people from America, there was people, every race, every religion. Yeah. So when I went down there, I was just another kind of different out. person. I didn't stand out <laughs> yeah. at all. So, it, and I remember some guy asked me in the dorm, he's like, are you gay? And I was like, right, this is it. I'm just going to be myself, whatever. I was like, yeah. And um, he's like, oh, right, okay. Went to, um, continued unpacking his bag. And I kind of, I think once I owned who I was, no one had anything on me. 
I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not I'm hiding. It's, this is who I am. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to say? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So they moved on straight away. Um. So that's why I love boarding school. It was full of, you have to learn how to deal with people in boarding schools mm-hmm. and you have to learn how to deal with different types of viewpoints, different types of religious points. So I have so many friends now from, from boarding school because it's like you're living with a family yeah. and kind of as well, when you're at that age, you kind of just want to be with your mates all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So it's I, like I, live, living in a big sleepover. Yeah. I suppose I've always had like a negative connotation. Everyone my, does. My mom went to boarding school and it was hell and you know, mm. it was with the nuns and she was sent away and I was like, Jesus, why would any sane parent or any kind parent ever do that to their child? but obviously it was for you a game changer so yeah how long were you in school for in the, with the bullying before you went to boarding school or, or three you, years it, you mentioned bullying like what was for things being said to you when you passed by was there any specific incident where you felt you know yeah. your sense of worth and self crumble yeah so there was one guy in particular who bullied me we'll call him bob <laughs> um because I just, I, maybe he's a changed person now. I actually tried to look him up on Facebook, can't find him. Mm. But from first year to third year, like he would make it his business to bully me and do it in very inventive and different ways. I always say he'd be great at marketing or something because he was just so creative in the way yeah. he'd bully me. Um, he, I, like, and, and it was, he was the main one and then there was a load of others and I was, my name was in every cubicle stall as James Kavna is a faggot. Like, oh. that was an, I couldn't go into a cubicle stall without seeing my name on the wall and something like that. So it was, it was, when even there wasn't people around, I was being bullied by this shit that was said on the wall, you know? Yeah. So, uh, this guy anyway, he used to, I found out years later, he used to put, uh, notes in my locker, but he'd write one with his right hand, write another with his left hand to make it look like there was different people oh, okay. putting. So I felt at the time it was just, you know, everything was magnified with loads of people hated me, loads of people were bullying me. Whereas it was, it was, it was kind of this guy, uh, orchestrating the whole thing. Um, did you believe? the things that he was saying to you or did you believe the negativity did you start to think that about yourself or did you always have the awareness no this is their problem no I was a crumbly mess I hated myself hated myself I desperately wanted to be straight because uh, you know this was such a negative thing in my school um, and he, he got in my head like 100% if you go into school and you know when you're that age school is your whole world mm-hmm. you go in at nine you finish at four, you may go to Dundrum, we live near Dundrum Town Centre, you may go there with all your mates after school, then the school discos on the weekend, there's the pre-dabs, there's the, it's your whole world. And because I was excommunicated and uh, isolated and bullied, I didn't have any world. Do you know what I mean? I had no no friends. No, a, a, a lot of people who I'm friends with now from that school were very nice to me, but always a little bit on the. They didn't want to be associated with me. Yeah, and in a way, I see their point of view too. Like they were trying to protect themselves. They were trying to protect themselves. Yeah. Um. And then th- there was one game changing whole uh, uh, uh game changing point in the whole thing was when I was in third year, and up until then, I thought everyone hates me. I'm alone. Everyone is nasty. La, la. Paul, uh, Bob. <laughs> I'll, his name's I'll Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Bob sent, uh, went to write this, uh, survey about me and it was how gay is James? And it was like very gay, extremely gay, like faggoty gay. Like it was just, he, tr- he tried to st- stir up this survey about me and, and he wanted to present it to me afterwards to be like, this is what we all think of you. Oh like gosh. he was so insidious the way he would think. Um, and he uh, he used one of those big pens and and lined it all like perfectly. 
Uh, and this is three years of this. Like every day there was something new. I I used to rejoice when he was sick because he wouldn't yeah, be in that day. day it was ever. like a holiday. It's a day off. But anyway, he tried to pass the survey around and it went back to this guy, David, who was in my class, who I love, still friends with. And um, he, David stopped the note going past him. And up until then, I thought everyone was a nasty person. And then when I seen him stand up for me and not let that note go on, I was like, oh my God, there's actually nice people in the world. And my whole viewpoint changed from there on in. So I always say, I do some talks in schools about bullying and now, and I always say, there's always going to be bullies. I mean, we were having a conversation earlier. There's bullies in the workplace. There's bullies in school. There's bullies in college. There's bullies at home. Mm -hmm. Your siblings can bully you. But you so you can't delete bullies from life ever. They'll always be there. But you can be the one to stand up for someone. And that's way more impactful than trying to make sure there's no bullies in the world. I always say, be the David. Be the one that like can stand up for someone else because that changed my whole viewpoint on life. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, I hope that in this day and age, you know, if you had a kid going through secondary school now, that would be so far from their experience. Do you think the time where we were at, do you think that's gone now? Or do you would would you have the same experience now, do you think, in school? I... I I don't think it's gone. No, I think they'll. I, I think they'll. I, I re- receive messages now and again from kids that are in schools that are telling me they're being bullied, and um, you know. But I think my bullying was very focused. It was about my sexuality, and yeah. I think we've we've come a long way in terms of acceptance of LGBT people. So yeah. I'd say that type of bullying is probably less now. Not completely gone though, because I still hear stories from people who are young who follow me who are in schools who are still mm-hmm. getting bullied about that. But there's other ways of bullying people. So I think that will always exist. But it's always about tell, trying to teach young people that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so many nice people in the world as well. And to always be one to stand up for someone else. Mm. And did that ever come up for you again? Like, did you ever feel the need to sort of process that or make sense of it? Or did you just know that was a case of him it being his issue? Because for, obviously for so long you hated yourself. Mm. Did you have to do a lot of work then to start to accept yourself? Or was it just like a flip of a switch? No, it was it was an unravelling process. Like when I went, when I got down to Wilson's, my boarding school, um, I, A, your man in the, in the dorm accepted me straight away when I said who I was. But there was... There was, it was a couple of years before I was confident. He knocked the confidence out of me completely. And I'm, I, I, I have been looking at photos of me back then. And I'm like, it's like a different person. You can see my shoulders kind of, uh, coming inside myself, guarding myself. I'm like, not really there in the face. There's no spirit there. Mm. Um, you don't recognize yourself. I don't recognize myself. It's like a completely different person. Um, I was, I, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't have any um, happiness, really. Mm. Um, so it, it took a couple of years of people being kind to me, around me. And I have, like, such super people in Wilson's who were who built me back up again, in a yeah. way. There was, it was a kind of building back up. Mm. And then, um, then I started to become who I am now. And did the anger that you felt at home, did that dissipate then when you kind of owned yourself? And yeah. With your, and how, how were your family in... Obviously, they knew you were gay, but yeah. how, how did they react to it? Well, they were completely fine, completely supportive. But it, it did take a couple of years for me to have a relationship with my parents again. And a relationship with my brother, especially, because he always got on really well with my parents. And I think he thought of me as like a little brat. And but I, 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 and I would always go home straight from school, slam the door, and I was in my room and I was playing Harry Potter, mm-hmm. like on my PlayStation. So I was very, I wouldn't even talk to my parents about the bullying. Because in a way, I'd have to tell them I was being bullied because I was gay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there was no real way 
way of talking and I didn't want them to go into the school and talk to them because that would be, I don't know, weakness. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, oh, James's dad was in here giving out to us. Like, why can't he stand up for himself? So there was just so many roadblocks, I think, mm. to try and fix it. So, um, yeah. And then you started to become the James yeah. that we know today. Yeah. And did you have to kind of start from scratch then in terms of building your confidence? Were you were you afraid to start to be yourself or did you know did it take a while yeah i i i kind of see my life as like a on a, a time mm. span in in primary school i'm i'm closer to that james than the one in secondary school yeah. the primary school me is the kind of me i'm now mm-hmm. and then i was broken down for 3 years stripped back to nothingness mm-hmm. um and then i i was built back up again in a way did um, you ever go to therapy or anything no i'd love to though yeah, I think it, everyone could probably everyone benefit. Should. Yeah, I always think like you go to the gym for your body. Therapy is like the gym for your mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. Everyone has shit to deal with. Yeah, everyone ha- and it's. I don't even think unhappy people should go to therapy. It's it's oh, kind of no. anyone. Yeah, it's like mental fitness or mental kind yeah. of resilience. It's so it's. So- One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. important um but you obviously would have been very aware from a very young age of how you know what we experience mentally can impact on us physically Mm. for me a lot of my anxiety came about when I was like 16 17 18 and starting to become an adult but by then were you feeling very sure of yourself yeah I was um I would there was confidence there um Mm -hmm. but it took as I said a couple of years to bring me back up but it's weird like the anxiety and panic attacks and stuff have only really happened recently which is odd yeah I wonder some like I have I'm supposed to be my happiest I know but but sometimes that's when it kind of comes like it all shit comes up for you like I have a chapter in the book about trying to figure out why you're here and for some people it's so scary that they start to experience anxiety and they don't know why or they think I'm really happy now. Everything's going great. Why is it happening? And one of the reasons can be, I mean, it could be as simple as you've been having too much caffeine. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, obviously there is the stress to do with freelance life. But another reason could be that you went through something so major as a young person and you just sort of glided through it that now that you're fully accepting of yourself, it's like when you stop at Christmas and you get the flu. Yeah. Like now that you've 
you're like here I am now your subconscious maybe in some weird way is like are you sure you've processed that? Yeah. So that's sometimes how I make sense of it. Yeah. You know, or someone loses a, a, a parent and they're, they're fine through the, when it happens. And then like two years later, they fall apart. Yeah. And they're like, but I was fine when it happened. And it's like, because your body and your mind was trying to get you through it. Yeah. And now that you've taken your foot off the gas in terms of the pressure you put on yourself, mm. it's like... That's so true, actually. And like, even like going through that, that I never felt like there was going to be an end to it. Yeah. And I, I yeah hear what you're saying now in you know in a world with social media where sometimes we can be in a bit of an echo chamber where i sometimes you know i would just assume that the the vote for abortion the vote for gay marriage would just go through but Mm. i'm you know in our kind of community we're all very liberated and stuff but you still in this day and age do you get people giving you that kind of bullshit that you had in school um yeah like i had a comment from someone the other day being like um you've no actual real talents you're riding on the coattails of your boyfriend who is actually a really good cook and you know so that's just jealousy how, how do you deal with that now in this day and age because you've, you've learned you were became so resilient by yourself yeah i think like because i i get i wouldn't get bullied in real life by anyone now do you know what i mean you come yeah. kind of come to notice but yeah like comments and stuff um online they used to affect me um and they still do for like a moment and then I'm totally over it because I always say like, you know, in general, people receive like 90% positivity and niceness in their day. But there is that 10%. But why concentrate on the tiny percent? Why yeah. not concentrate on the 90%? So whenever I do get shit from someone like that, I have to remind myself, hang on, there's a million other nice things that are said about me or a million other mm-hmm. nice th- people around me. Yeah. Um, so I rem- always remind myself that, I always check with myself that there's more goodness than badness mm-hmm. in my life. And if there is a huge amount of goodness, then I'm on the right path. I want to ask you about social media. So mm. um, I know for a lot of people experiencing anxiety, sometimes social media can be a little bit of a like adding fuel to the fire. And for me, it certainly was because I felt at the time when my anxiety was at its worst that we only put up the best bits and it was very curated. And if you didn't have anything good to say or anything great to show, there's no point in being honest. And I felt there was such a stigma with, you know, even putting a picture of yourself with a spot, which I did yesterday. I actually had a spot yesterday that dribbled down my chin. <laughs> it was so horrific. Um, but... Do you find social media largely positive? Um, yeah, and I think it's all about who you follow and who you should cur- curate your feed um, in in a in a way that's good for your mental health. I think I think if you're following uh, really really rich people and really um, really glamorously gorgeous people, and that's all you're following, yeah, of course you're going to compare yourself. That's just mm-hmm. human. Um, but no, I, I follow kind of. And there's a time, there's a time and a place for glamour and rich and gorgeousness. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that too. But I also follow just loads of real people and people who talk about themselves mm-hmm. in a in a bad way and a good way. And um, there's really great Irish people who kind of talk, like even kind of fashiony people that I follow. They talk about themselves when they've like breakouts or whatever, yes. when they're going through bad skin. And I'm like, yes, like it's so reassuring to see people be real. Yeah, and I think that's. Um, not to be superficial, but I think it's kind of in vogue or kind of popular yeah. at the moment to talk about your downness. And that's good. I know, yeah. I, kind of, know? I call it like owning your vulnerability. And like for me, and I'm sure it was the same for you, for so long, your vulnerability was your weakness. Mm. And then when you actually started to own it, it's your greatest strength. Oh, 100%. Like I, I go around to schools now to, 
to and talk about my experience with bullying it's made me way more confident as well speaking in front of people about mm. this time in my life when I felt really small yeah. but I'm, it's weird that that's now my weapon that time yeah. in my life where I was my most vulnerable and my most self-conscious and sad is now my kind of weapon yeah. in a way yeah like but you had to kind of go through and, something really bad to have that self-awareness and yeah. so sometimes in a way like you don't want people like I hope that with the books people don't have to hit rock bottom to mm. know to like watch out for it and stuff but a lot of us do seem to either you know have to experience something bad like the bullying you went through or go to the point of burnout and work before they realize that they have an appreciation for themselves yeah. and their mental health I, um, it's 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 like that saying like you know diamonds are made under pressure yeah and lump of coal it, it, lump of coal yeah, yeah. Um, and in a way I not that I would condone bullying or <laughs> what I, what happened to me is not necessarily a great thing but it's definitely shaped me mm. and it's definitely given me a thicker skin now and stuff because in a way like I get loads of negativity like I live my life online mm. and um, I depend on my following and stuff to work and have a job you know that's just how how it is so I think whenever I get negativity I think almost like my bullying in school was training yes. so I kind of feel like everything is happening for yeah. a reason yeah. and I don't know if I didn't if I had a stunning time throughout secondary school I'd probably find this really bloody hard yeah. but now I'm like this is nothing you should have seen what I went through yeah like if you could handle that you can handle yeah. anything and you mentioned they're like living your life completely online and sometimes I feel quite anxious that it's more like a physical anxiety of like constantly having to pick up the phone, constantly refreshing the feeds and feeling like slightly like a slave to it or like I need it, you know, because a lot of what we do, um, social media is is work. Mm. So does do you feel the pressure to constantly put yourself out there or do you see social media very much as work, James, and then there's private James? No, it's totally all the same. Um, and that is something I try and work on reducing as well. Like, I am I have that app moment and it tells oh. you how long you're on everything. That it's, just gives me anxiety, oh, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. on Instagram for eight hours today and then I panic and then I'm in a, in a, in a, in a dark place and then I go on Instagram to make me happy. So it's just like a horrible vicious cycle. Um, yeah, no, it's something I am working on trying to reduce my time on, on my phone because mm. phones are, smartphones haven't been around long enough to test people and to see what it's doing to people yeah it's definitely not like good Mm. i don't think yeah um i think there's loads of positive things that can be said for social media it's good for sharing ideas i don't think you know uh, the past two referendums would have been won so hugely without the power of social media and sharing um stories and that Mm. kind of thing but yeah there is there i think we all need to work on reducing our phone time yeah, just having a more healthy relationship with it. You know, yeah. even like first thing in the morning, I won't even say good morning to my husband. I'll be like, give me my phone. Totally. And yeah. it's, like, it's such a, I get such a sense. Do you, do you get a sense of gratification with the likes and the, the oh, follows? Oh, 100%. When I put up something and there's a good, healthy amount of likes coming through. I feel a good feeling. It's a rush. It's well, they do say it's an endorphin. Or... Yeah. It's concerning though. Because then like sometimes if you put something up and it didn't do well, you'd be like. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't it's like. like. Is this the right time to yeah. put it up? <laughs> so, but like. You know, if that's going to be part of your job, you need to have your sense of self-worth and your core values intact so that yeah. that shit doesn't affect, affect you. you. So do you have a very clear sense of your worth these days? Yeah, and I have a very clear sense of where I'm going too. Um, I, I, I hope to open up a cafe with my boyfriend, William, at the, and you absolutely at the will. end of it. Fingers crossed. Um, so I think it's good to, if you are in this kind of almost superficial world yeah. that we're in, you kind of have to have where am I going to be in five years? You have to have a kind of goal and, yeah, and, and something at the end. Yeah, because it's all kind of fickle, yeah. you know, th- this world of, of social media mm. um, and, and where it's going and who will last and who will fall off and you can be taken down like that and 
So you kind of have to have you could say the wrong thing and be completely That's excommunicated. It. Yeah. God. Um, and for me, moving on to the confidence kit, um, mm. which was, again, you know, after I got myself back on an even keel with the anxiety, I was like, oh, I need to kind of start building myself up again in terms of confidence and, you know, fear of failure, fear of what people would think of you. Yeah. Um, and something that I thought was crucial and people don't do enough of in this very fast paced social media world is kind of take stock of, of how far we've come or, you know, like social comparison is, is the go to. But actually um, temporal comparison, which is looking at yourself versus yourself from another time is far yeah. more healthy whereas social comparison creates like a culture of one-upmanship and mm. you know nobody wins um so i always ask people on the podcast you know if you look back and or even look forward you must be really proud of yourself do you take the time to be proud of yourself and celebrate how far you've come as a person not just success do you know what only in these moments when i'm asked and i can actually think about it i am actually proud of what i've done and what i'm doing but day to day when i'm running around doing my bits i don't i'm don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't know if it's the correct term, but like imposter syndrome, yeah. I don't feel like I'm ever doing enough. Mm-hmm. But when I when I'm asked questions like that, I'm like, hang on, I wrote a book. I, you know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm on Ireland's Got More Talent. I'm doing loads of bits and bobs mm-hmm. that, you know, I I should be proud of what I'm doing. But I I'll I don't think I'll and maybe it's a good thing. I don't think I'll ever feel like I have enough or mm-hmm. I'm doing enough. And I think, but I, in a way. I, think that keeps me driven Driven, and it keeps me wanting more and doing more but no I don't usually I should probably but I don't usually take stock of what I've done and I don't take the time to be proud of stuff Mm -hmm. I've done but I think that's the age we live in and especially for someone who's self-employed you'll know this as well you can't just have one job you're doing about 10 different jobs yeah and (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah someone asked me earlier like so what do you do and I was like how long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very hard. It's like, I, a jack of all trades, master That's my alone least, is my fear. least favorite question to be asked. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you're in a taxi, making small talk, and he's yeah. like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I work in advertising. Yeah, or I'm a plumber. Yeah. I cannot explain what I, I do. <laughs> Sometimes I just say, oh, I'm a journalist. And they're like, oh. And then I'm like, not like a real journalist. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not on the front lines reporting on the war. I'm like, here's 10 lip glosses you should try. And then I'm like, oh my God. But you know, that kind of work is needed and yes. there's a place for it. And I think like imposter syndrome comes from feeling that what you put out there publicly is at odds with how you view yourself privately. Yeah. But I think for you, you probably don't have that disconnect because you are what you get. Like, yeah. you know, you're not being a completely different person and you're not pretending to be something that you're not. And you're no. not, you know, when you do these jobs, it's not like, oh, here comes someone who's got 20 years as a broadcast expert. They want you for being you. Yeah. So, But in a way, that's also kind of a, a bit nervy because I am me all of the time. So when I'm being judged or people are talking about me online or anything like that, there's no like... I don't know if you're, you know, fronting a big show on RTE. That's almost like you switch that on for the show. So yeah. you can probably disconnect from that. Or, and it's like, mm. well, that's not who I am in private life. Whereas yeah. when I'm being spoken about in a negative sense online or wherever it may be, they're literally talking about me and not my product yes. or not my persona I put on. So mm. it, it is always something I, I, I slightly struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell me about a time recently where you had to step outside your comfort zone and what did that feel like um god that's almost daily probably public speaking is when i've when i always step outside my comfort zone and it's something i have to do a lot of in my work which is funny because i hate it it's awful it's so awful but i always find like 
a minute into it, I found my footing and I'm yeah. fine. But that, like, the lead up to it and about to get on stage or about to, do, like, it's disgusting. I know. I'm always like, I'm never doing this I again. I know, I know. I can't eat. I always, like, literally, I'm in the toilet. I'm like, no, why do, <laughs> why do I put myself through this? It's not worth it at all. But yeah. when you go into the learning zone, outside the comfort zone, then you expand your comfort zone. That's and then it. you increase your confidence. Like I always feel like, uh, say if I was to compare myself now to public speaking to, like, two years ago, so different and I feel like you slowly chip away at something like you can get good at it yeah well that's the thing about right confidence what people get wrong is that they think they might look at you and say oh he's a really confident person I'm not like I'm that. not I know but like yeah. what they what they're mistaking is personality and confidence so yeah. you have a you're an extroverted personality you're you know you're loud and chatty and mm. you know you're outgoing and you're social but confidence is a skill it's a different thing yeah like it's a belief it is in a yourself. skill but it's something that we can all work on and you could yeah. be you could be a really introverted quiet person and have an unbelievable level of confidence in your work or in your family like confidence comes in different verticals of our life it's not just like a blanket thing you know and i would would have always thought oh like i need to be more confident it's like in what like you know confidence it's it's not this big umbrella it's, yeah you could be it's like someone could be a really confident musician and then really really unconfident socially yeah you know so completely social anxiety obviously isn't something that you've experienced um, like, or what would that Like, just mean? feeling, it's not something I've really experienced either, a slight bit, but people ask me a lot, so I wanted to bring it up. Um, if we could talk about social anxiety, you know, where you've just, you're worried about, sometimes I just get it in my head if I'm in a social situation, oh, I'm saying something stupid or oh, like. Oh, no, I would have that. Okay. Completely. I'm always slightly filtering what I'm saying and always overthinking things. Yeah. And then I'd say something and then be so embarrassed about it. and it's like a tiny little thing and then I'm overplaying why did I bloody say that like that's so cringe I know so no I would totally like totally suffer that and, and I would always kind of feel like people are judging me or I'd walk away and be like oh god because I am I am a very excitable person and, mm-hmm. I, and I get a bit like jittery and stuff and I feel then when I kind of come back down I'm like oh god what stay to me yeah <laughs> so it would, I always do I'm overthinking how yeah, I act I know. and how well, I behave well what I've learned from all the chats that I've been having on this podcast is that like we're all so wrapped up in thinking oh my god I've said the most stupid thing like I said the most stupid thing to Spencer and Vogue the other day when we were leaving the awards and because I'd been in their house to record in London yeah. and then I bumped into them again at an awards and then as I was leaving they were leaving and Spencer was like oh hi and I was like oh you probably don't recognise me I was in your house last week um, he was like oh yeah lovely and then I was like you were you were in your boxers because <laughs> he was like running in and out of the kitchen with his boxers yeah. and I was like why did I say that? And then like, I didn't say anything else. And then they just got in the taxi. And then my taxi home, I was like, Oh my God. You idiot. Yeah, I'd say stuff like that all, all the time. All the time. But Side note, he looks fantastic in his boxers. Yeah, well he does. I mean, if I look like him in boxers, <laughs> I'd be walking around with him as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, social anxiety is, is probably something people experience more on a day-to-day level. It's just like slightly there. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people? Maybe before you give me your advice, tell me uh, what do you do on a daily basis or even like a weekly basis to keep yourself in check and to be, you know, on top of things and to, to own it? To be honest, I require a lot of alone time. Um, I think I come across as someone who's always surrounded by people and always run around the place. But like, like during the week, I'm at home recharging almost and and I'm not trying to say I'm the busiest person or I do loads of things but even like even I I just require a lot of recharge time as a person yeah yeah I'm I'm a very introverted person in a way um 
So oh, that's, it's ambivert is the word, is it? What's that? Where you're like a bit of both? Yeah, I'm definitely a bit of both. Yeah. Like I love like meeting people, having chats, doing stuff on stage, presenting things on TV. But I adore myself. I almost put, I have been known to put my phone on airplane mode and just mm. me and my cat yeah. and YouTube documentaries oh, and dream. for hours on end on my own. So that keeps me in line and mm-hmm. keeps me sane, I think. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of advice for if someone's listening maybe they're you know maybe they haven't come out yet maybe they're gay or maybe they're not and they're just getting bullied or maybe they're just struggling with accepting themselves because for me the the whole the crux of owning it and the message is is that acceptance is key and only when we stop resisting where we are now do things embrace which sometimes is a very hard pill to swallow when you're Mm. like i don't want to be bullied or i don't want to feel this way or i don't you know want this anxiety but i think you like hit the nail on the head about when you started to own yourself so what what would your advice be for someone listening who's maybe not where you are now but yeah work. like I think it, as hard as it is to know in the moment I think it's important to realize that there's a lot of nice people out there like really kind people who are within meters of you and I think when, once you're in a dark place you, you forget about that but look around you and just really look at people because that guy that stepped in and almost kind of saved my sanity um I didn't realize he was so close. He was always in the on the other side of the classroom. I thought everyone around me was 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 not nice, and mm-hmm. everyone hated me. And um, there's people around you that love you, and that's so important to realize and know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as cringe as it is, it always gets better. Like it really does. What what is happening now will pass. Um, and that yeah. you really have to remember that in the moment. And I, it's like when I was getting those panic attacks. I eventually was like, this will pass. This isn't going to kill me. It's mm-hmm. going to pass. So once you realize how, um, how, it's also not to be like put anyone down, but realize how small you are in the world <laughs> is actually kind of a refreshing yes, yeah, thing. I know. And it may, it puts yourself in context and it puts your problems in context as well. You're a tiny dot on this planet and there's huge things going on, serious big things going on with people and the world. So just look at it in that sense. Yeah. I feel like it, the solution to all this is simpler than we think. It's so much Do you know simpler. what I mean? Yeah. It's about surrounding yourself with nice people um, and realizing that, um, yeah, you're a tiny little splash yeah. in the world. Yeah. And just own that. <laughs> yeah. I'm only here for a little minute. Enjoy it. No, that actually gives me anxiety, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, stop. <laughs> James Cavanagh, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Thanks for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.